Welcome. I'm John Kiriakou. I'm the host of Loud and Clear on 105.5 FM and 1390 AM in Washington, D.C. I'm joined today by Dr. Alan Arnold. He's the AAAS Science and Technology Policy Fellow, and he works in the federal government. Dr. Allen has a unique and unusual story that I believe need, needs to be told. It's a story of perseverance, it's a story of passion, and it's a story that I think will be uplifting to a lot of people who, who hear it. Alan, thanks for joining me today. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Alan, you have a PhD in the hard sciences. Yep, cancer biology. Cancer biology. You got there in a very unorthodox way. You grew up in Flint, Michigan, and not just in Flint, Michigan, but in the inner city in Flint, Michigan. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you have told stories about uh, the way you grew up, having been run down by a car at one point. You've seen people being shot. You, you had a, a rough childhood growing up in Flint. Yes. Uh, one of the things that led to perseverance is seeing all these things. So being being shot at myself. Uh, I was with a cousin and he decided to instigate with somebody else. And what happened was, you know, I didn't know what was going on. And next thing I hear is gunshots ring out. Yeah. So we're running across this. I'm running and I run across this four, five lane, busy intersection in Flint, Michigan with my eyes closed. (laughs) And luckily, by the grace of God, I did not get hit by a car. I'm still surprised now that I didn't. And seeing people in violent acts, like seeing a drive-by, I saw a guy, there's a drive-by shooting, and the guy ran down the street with a bullet in his head. Ugh. He had the uh, Fila hat on, and there was a bullet right in the middle of his head. And this was in the sixth grade. So. And, and at that young age, uh, your personal life was difficult too. Your your mom passed away when you were nine years old. Mm-hmm. Your father had a mental illness mm-hmm. and was unable to to care for you full time. Mm-hmm. You had the support though of uh, of your brother, and it was your brother that was really uh, the one who who took you in and who made sure that you valued what he valued most, and that was education. Yes, absolutely. So. One thing that our parents did and my father did, although he did have some uh, not what we call now PTSD, he stressed education. And one thing that I did not mention in the story is that the plantation that my family came from, it's still there in Mississippi. Wow. So my great grandfather was a slave and then they stressed education on on kept you know, through generations. And so when my father, my mother and father were graduates of University of Michigan, uh, Flint, and they stress education, they stress that this is necessary to not be stuck where you are. And so that's one thing that still rings in my head to today. And you took education very seriously. You moved your your GPA in high school from below a 2.0 uh-huh. to a 4.0 your junior and senior years. Uh-huh. But then... When you graduated, you went to college and you realized that an inner city high school diploma mm-hmm. is not really the same as a diploma from a high school in one of the wealthy suburbs. Absolutely. That was one of the biggest shocks for me because I was a smart kid 
And my brother told me in high school, he said, you know, you can't get into college with a 1.9. And I was like, really? Why not? And I didn't really understand that. And so I said, okay, let me go ahead and apply it myself. Because the reason why I had a 1.9 is because I did well on the exams, but I never did any homework because mm -hmm. I didn't see the point of it. And my brother said, you still have to work hard because all these things are intertwined. And later on, no one's going to ask you to do homework. As in college, no one asked you to do no. homework. So that is one of the things when the shocks were, you know, I had, I was a top 5% in my math class in high school by myself. And so one of the times the teacher was like, oh, well, if Alan got 70%, the test must have been too hard. Let's redo the test. And wow. so that builds your confidence. Like, okay, yeah, I'm sure smart. it does. But when you get to college, this is a whole different scale. And in fact, a professor in college told you that you were not a serious student, that you would never become a doctor, and that mm -hmm. a PhD program was really nothing more than a pipe dream for you. Right. How did you, how did you react to that? <laughs> well, I reacted to it in a sense of confusion, and because this was a biochemistry class, which is a difficult class, and it's six of us in a class. And specifically, it's a proteins lab class. And it's a six-hour class. Or, I'm sorry, yeah, six-hour lab. So we're in there, you know, six hours, you kind of have to I be myself and play around and get the work done. And I got the work done really fast so I can play around. And it's like, well, you're playful, so you can't, you're not serious. You're not a serious person. Yeah, you can't do that. In fact, you were a serious person. You finished your degree, and then you finished a master's degree. And then what happened? People told you, oh, you can't get a PhD. You're not equipped to get a PhD. Actually, and then what? Actually, actually, I did not do a master's. I did. I went from bachelor's straight to PhD <laughs> because I wanted to kind of show them that with my bachelor's and with the determination that I had, I can do a PhD. And the reason why I wanted to do this PhD in cancer biology, because my father died of multiple myeloma and my aunt died of leukemia four months prior to him. And at that point I said, you know, this is, I want to learn as much as I can about cancer. And I do want to prove her wrong, a little spite there, but I do want to prove her wrong because I am determined about education and I can do it. Yeah. And then you get into this PhD program uh -huh. and people tell you, you can't possibly graduate in four years. Right. Uh, you're not a serious student, one of your PhD peers told you. Mm -hmm. Several. What the, and, and what they didn't know was that you were getting into the lab at 6 a.m. Mm -hmm. and you were doing half a day's work before they ever showed up. Right. So the thing is, everyone gets in at 9, 10, they have their coffee. I didn't drink coffee. I'm a morning person. So I get at 5 o'clock, watch the sunrise, get into the hood, you know, we know where we do our experiments. And I would do three or four experiments back to back to back. And by the time they come in, I'm writing parts of my dissertation. You tell this story in uh, storiesinscience.org. You call it perseverance to passion. And you conclude with something that I think is really critically important. Mm -hmm. And that's the influence of role models in your life. Mm -hmm. I think your bottom line is that anybody can do what you've done. Mm -hmm. Anybody can make it to the top mm -hmm. in education if you work hard enough. Sometimes you need an outside influence to push you to work hard enough. And that's absolutely right. One of the biggest things that I feel now, and even prior, is that role models, people that look up to, is very important. I had my brother, 
uh, in high school and I had great mentors in undergrad. I had a great mentor in grad school and I have great mentors even now in my fellowship. And they always push me because they feel like I can do more. And if they feel I can do more, I feel I can do more. And I want to excel at everything. And what have you done since you finished your PhD? What direction has your career taken? You went to China, for example, and you stayed in China for quite some time. So it took an interesting change. I wanted, I was doing research and the same thing came up. You're not a serious scientist. And I said, I am. And, you know, I'm doing my research. But I started thinking about my father and, and education. And I started thinking about what is my passion and how can I impact people to have greater influence on their lives and then they can have greater influence on other lives. So I went to China to develop my teaching abilities to teach hard science, biochemistry, which is ironic, um, disease, molecular biology and things like that to Chinese students. And to explain something like hard science to a English as a second language person you have to be able to explain it in a way that's understandable, break it down into parts. And what I saw in China was that their education system is really different and it's very rigorous and it's very focused. But I want to show that you can have fun and still learn. And also, what I don't mention there, my son started school, uh, kindergarten, at one and a half. And I said, wait a minute. He can start, his education started at one and a half and he's learning geometry right. in kindergarten and he can't even talk yet. So that's when my focus shifted to education and education policy. You know, the brain is a wonderful and wondrous thing and it has to be nurtured. Mm -hmm. And at that early age, brains are sponges and they can learn virtually anything. Mm -hmm. uh, you're proving that with your own son. You proved it by doing it the hard way for yourself. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining me today. I'm John Kiriakou with Loud and Clear, 105.5 FM and 1390 AM in Washington, D.C. You've been listening to Dr. Alan Arnold. Thanks for joining us. And yeah, Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Anytime.